Well, welcome to church. How you feeling? You good? Oh, man. I tell you what, I'm excited for a new year. I don't know if you are. I don't know who you, if you kind of get gear up for that, but I just want to say happy new year. It's the first time I've had the opportunity to say that. And you know what? I'm praying for each and every one of you that are part of this community. I'm praying that this year is different. I know it's going to be different, but I'm praying this year is different in a good way. I'm praying that you experience more change, you experience more growth, you experience more of God than you ever have before. And that's my hope and prayer for every single one of us, a part of this community. But here's the thing, when it comes to a new year, new rhythms, and maybe some of you, maybe it's been a while since you've been to church, and you're like, hey, it's a new year. It's time to kind of get in shape. You know what I mean? Spiritually in shape. Can I just encourage you, all of us, uh, let's try not to do what everybody with a gym membership does at the beginning of the year. You know how beginning of the year you're like, I should really use that membership and go to the gym. And you go two, maybe three weeks at the most, and after that, I'm like, gosh, forget that. It doesn't work. Listen, I want to encourage you. I believe that things can happen and shift in your spirit the more you stay connected. So let's not just go, well, I'm a member there, but I don't ever go. I wanna encourage you, make this a part of your life. And things are gonna change. I really believe that. Do you know that if you're someone who's maybe committed to going to church, maybe if you're someone, and you're here, so I'm talking to those of you who are here, if you're someone who's not just like, I come at the beginning of the year, I come a couple times a year, but if you're someone like me, I grew up going to church, and it was just, it's always been a rhythm of my life, my family's life, we just go consistently. You know, I, I probably am there 50 to 50, you know, weeks a year or something, 45 weeks out of the year. I was thinking about it. If you're someone who's consistent, you're regular, you're like, I go to church, it's part of my life, you're probably going to spend at least one to 200, if not more, hours involved in coming and being part of community and experiencing God together. That's a lot of time. I mean, think about it. There's a lot that you could do with 100 to 200 hours. Imagine if you put that much time into the gym. Maybe some of you will. Maybe you do more than that. But things can begin to change in your life. And what I hope for all of us is that we can experience God more, especially when we come together. But here's what I also know. I also know that you can spend all your time coming to church, going to this, and not get anything out of it. In fact, you could come to church and, and honestly, it not do anything in your life. I know because I've experienced things like that in my, in my time. In fact, when I uh, graduated high school, I remember when I first graduated and I did not know what I wanted to do with my life. If you're going, oh, do you want to be a pastor? Nope, I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't know I was going to do information technology. I didn't know any of that. I was 17 years old. I had no ambition. I had no drive. By the way, I went to school, high school in Germany, and so, you know, when everybody here is all like going and visiting colleges, well, we didn't do that over there, and so we moved back to the U.S. I'm 17 years old, and uh, I got no direction. And so my parents told me, they said, you know, because I don't know, you ever felt this like pressure? There's a pressure today. Uh, what are you supposed to do when you graduate high school? You're supposed to go to college, right? And so I felt that pressure. My parents were like, you need to go to college. And I was like, well, I don't know what I want to do. Why would I go to college? No, you need to go to college. I don't really want to. They said, if you don't go to college, you're going to pay rent to live at home. I'm going to go to college. So I enrolled in college. Now, again, this is like summer, almost the fall. I didn't, I, I didn't 
prepare for this. I didn't do any of that. And so I didn't know where else to go, but guess who accepted me? Columbus State Community College. Join the community college. Go Cougars. And so I, and so I, I signed up and took one class. One class. That's all I had to take to keep from paying rent. One class. I signed up for English 101, English composition. I figured 17 years of practice, I should be able to do this, right? And so I went to English my first year out of high school. I went to English class. And can I just tell you, I hated every minute of it. I hate it so much. Like, I was working full-time job. I have to go two nights extra a week to go sit in this class. I had to write papers. It was awful. I hated every minute. Now, I did get an A. I just want to say that. I just, I just want to point that out. I did get an A. I do know some English. That's good. But I hated the experience so much so that as soon as I was done with that one class, I dropped out. It's like, I'd rather pay rent than do that. Why? Because I didn't know why I was there. I didn't know what in the world I'm gonna do with it. I just wonder if maybe some of us, in our experience, our journey when it comes to church, I, I wonder if some of us, going to church is a little bit like going to English class. It's like extra, I have to work a full-time job, I gotta go spend extra time and go to church, and maybe some of you, kinda like I felt the pressure to go to college when I graduated, maybe some of you kind of have felt a pressure to go to church. Maybe in your family, this is, this is what they did. Everybody went to church. Mom went to church, dad went to church, grandparents went to church, you had to go to church. If you didn't go to church, you disappoint them. And so maybe you felt a pressure. Maybe some of you still feel that today. Your spouse wants you to go. You don't really want to go to church. And, but you feel this pressure that you've got to go to church. Or maybe um, if it was anything like my upbringing, like there was non-negotiable. You were going to church, right? And, and so I don't know if any of you had this experience, but when you were a kid, your parents made you go to a church and maybe they kind of like dressed you up. Did they ever dress you up? And you had to wear some, like if you were a boy, you had to wear these slacks. And it's like, I don't wear slacks. And you had to wear a little button down, maybe a little bow tie, a tip clip on tie or something. And they made you go to church. If you were a little girl, they pushed you in this little frilly dress with these leather patent shoes. And you had to go to church. And some of us, our experience was when we went to church, it wasn't a space like this. And we didn't have all these ministries. And some of you, when you went to church, you were like two and three years old, and your parents made you sit with them in the main service, the adult service. Can I just tell you, I want to just kind of say this for every mom and dad, especially if you have little kids. The last place your two and three and four-year-old wants to be is in here with you. Can I just say that? I'm just going to be bold and go ahead and say it. No, they just love it. They don't. They hate it. No, 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 they squirm, they fuss, you're telling them to shut up the whole time. They hate it, and oh, by the way, so does everybody around you. I just, we have an incredible kids ministry, and the reason why is because we want them to love church. Instead of two, three years old, I remember, you know, sitting in church all dressed up, sit still, behave, it's like, I'm three years old. I don't understand a word this guy's saying. It doesn't matter, right? And then what happens when you kind of start fussing and making a little noise? They pinch you right here in the back of the arm. You ever, moms and dads ever do that? Oh, that hurts. Just right there. There's nothing like it. Just eh, back here. Right? And then they start crying. And they're just like, shut up. It's like, okay, this isn't working. Right? I don't know what your upbringing was with, with church. I don't know why you're here. Maybe some of you almost feel guilty if you don't go to church. Maybe some of you feel better because you do go to church. I, I understand all these different reasons, and, and you're here. And so I just want to applaud you. Just, you're here. Half the battle, to me, is showing up, right? 
But I wonder if church is kind of like this routine that's been maybe even built into your life and maybe sometimes you feel like, ah, I don't get much out of it and I just go and, or sometimes you go, ah, do I have to go to church? I don't want to go to church. It's like, it's, you know, I could be sleeping, I could do this. Could it be, if that's your experience with church, I'm just asking this question, is it possible, just possible, that maybe you've been doing it wrong? Yeah, I know, I'm not, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not trying, I know it seems like it. I'm, not, I'm just asking the question. Is it possible, is it just possible, maybe you've been doing it wrong all this time? Because sometimes you can do things and think, oh, I know how to do this, but it not be right. When I was 14 years old, my parents decided that it was time for me to do my own laundry. Maybe that's a good age, I don't know. And uh, so they, I was 14, my parents were both working. They're like, Tim, you need to do your own laundry. Uh, and I didn't have any choice in it, so I learned how to do laundry. They, they said, they gave me a crash course on the washing machine uh, and, the, and the dryer. This crash course, right? They were like, here, you just take the dark clothes and then the light clothes, and then you separate them, wash them. You know, I didn't know for years and years until I got married, I didn't know that it was like there's darks and colors and lights and whites. Had no idea. I just figured just these, this one's dark, this one's light, this one's, you know, this one's white. I didn't know that, right? And they didn't really explain it to me that well, or at least I wasn't paying attention. And so I got this crash course. They're like, here's the dials, because there wasn't buttons, there was dials. And it was like, here's the detergent. You just put about this much in. You throw it in there, turn the dial. You can switch it, fold it. Okay. So I started doing my own laundry. I was 14 years old. A couple months into it, my parents see me one day, I'm wearing this white t-shirt. And they said, hey, Tim, is that shirt supposed to be white? I was like, yeah, it's white. They said, it looks terrible. It's dingy. It looks yellow. It's, I said, I don't know. They said, are you doing laundry? I said, yes. I swear I'm doing laundry. They're like, what are you doing? I said, you showed me. I'm like, doing laundry. They're like, let's see you do it. So I go and get all my whites together, and I stick them in the washer, and I take a little detergent, and I put it in there, and I close the lid, and I start it. And it starts running. And they said, did you put the bleach in? I said, I'm supposed to put bleach in? So, I, so back then, by the way, you had to put bleach in because the detergent wasn't good enough. I was like, nobody told me. You didn't tell me. I had to put bleach in. And this whole time, all my whites mixed in with light colors are getting really, really dingy because I had no idea that I was supposed to use bleach the entire time. And what I'm saying is that I wonder if some of us, we like, I know how to go to church. But maybe, just maybe, we haven't been doing it right the entire time. And I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. Some of you are going, who are you to tell me how to go to church? I'm not, okay? And I'm not one of those people that believes that there's just one style and, you know, you're like, well, my personality is not quite as expressive. I, I'm not saying all of that. I'm not saying that one style is better than the other and what does it mean to go to church. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that if we are going to invest time to get out of bed early on a Sunday, not sleep in, and get ready and get our kids ready and fight with them and get them in the car and drive 20, 30 minutes to church to come and sit in an experience and then to leave and do it. If you're going to put all that investment in there, you might as well get something out of it. It might as well make a difference in your life. And so what I want to talk about in this series called Sunday Best, how to really go to church, I want to talk about what does it look like? How do we really get the most out of our experience with God in this community in this year? How do we really, because here's what I believe. I believe we really need it. 
Now, if there's anything that reminded me or at least highlighted that for me, it was the pandemic. Because I think it's easy to take for granted this kind of moment, but when it was taken away and we didn't meet for a few months, can I just tell you, I missed it. I, I didn't just miss coming in and it's like the songs and the lights and all that, no, 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 no. I missed community. I miss seeing you. I miss being able to high five and connect with people. And I, there was something about this gathering that I found was absolutely essential to the human soul. In fact, scripture reminds us of how important it is that we make a priority for this gathering. Hebrews 10, 25 reminds us, it says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You know what I've seen during the pandemic? There was a huge disconnect of people that lost the rhythm, they lost the routine. Many have not even come back to any church. The, the scripture says, don't give up. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. That's a bad habit. Let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, it doesn't just say, let's make sure we're there on time so we can sing songs with everything we have and hear a good message. Actually, there's more to this gathering than just the experience. It's also the connection. It's the community. It's what happens when we connect with each other and we can encourage each other. And when you see someone else is struggling and then they find hope, you can go, I can find hope if they can find hope. There's something about this gathering that is absolutely vital to our lives. And so here's the thing. I don't want to just come to church, though, and it feels so routine. It's like English class. I don't know why I'm here. If that's the way you ever feel, I'm just telling you, maybe, just maybe, maybe you've been doing it wrong. And I want to show you today, if you, if you brought a Bible with you or you got your electronic device, I'd love for you to get it out. I, I want to ask you to go to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. I thought to myself, what's the first place that I see people having church in the Bible. Now, most people are like, oh, you go to Acts chapter 2. I know that, Pastor. That's when the No, it's all the way back in Exodus, the second book of the Bible. And oh, by the way, can I just encourage you? New year, new rhythms, new habits. What would it look like for you to bring a Bible? Make sure you at least have an electronic device and something to take notes on. One of the things that I decided was Whenever I show up and someone else is preaching, I was here last week, Pastor Russ gave me an incredible message. I'm bringing my notebook, I'm bringing my Bible, I'm gonna lean in, and I'm gonna write down what God speaks to me through that message. You know what? Some of you go, ah, why? I've heard a million messages before. I know, and you can't remember any of them. You can't. That's why we need this. And so Exodus chapter 19 is actually, I believe, the first place that we find in Scripture of God wanting to meet with an entire community. Up to this point, we see over and over God meeting with individual people. Now we see God wanting to meet with a community. And here's where we are. Moses had just led the Israelites out of Egypt. God said, bring them back to this mountain. That's where they are. And they said, I want to meet with you. The people were so afraid of God, freaked out. They said, Moses, you go meet with God. We'll hang back here. He scares us. And so here's this conversation that Moses has with God in this moment in Exodus chapter 19, starting verse 9. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud, Moses, so the people themselves can hear me when I speak with you. Then they will always trust you. And Moses told the Lord what the people had said. Verse 10, then the Lord said to Moses, go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. Be sure they are ready on the third day, for that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai and all 
as all the people watch. Look at this, verse 12, it's fascinating. Mark off a boundary all around the mountain. Warn the people, be careful. Do not go up the mountain or even touch its boundaries. Anyone who touches the mountain will certainly be put to death. No hand may touch the person or animal that crosses the boundary. Instead, stone them or shoot them with arrows. Does anybody else think that's a little extreme? By the way, I just thought I should at least go ahead and tell you this. Um, we have security placed all throughout. If anybody ever runs to the stage, they have orders to shoot with arrows and hit anybody. So I just, we just, it's real biblical. We just like to follow the Bible here. So it says, they must put, be put to death. However, when the ram's horn sounds a long blast, then the people may go up on the mountain. So God had invited the people, you can come up, you can come up. Look at verse 16, it says, on the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed and a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn and all the people came up the mountain. No, they trembled. And look at verse 17, that says, Moses led them out from the camp to do what? Can you all say that little phrase with me? To meet with, come on, say it. You can say it better than that. To do what? To meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. This is like the first place you see in scripture of them having church, meeting with God. Now what's so unique about this moment is if you understand, as I said, leading up to this, the only one that really at this time was connecting with God in a real way was Moses. Moses is the one that had the encounter at the burning bush before all this. Moses is the one that scripture says would meet with God face to face like someone meets with a friend. Moses was the one that went up on the mountain while everybody else was freaking out. This was Moses. And so Moses had this connection, this relationship with God that the other people didn't. And so God told Moses, God said, hey, Moses, Listen, I want them to experience this too. There, there's procedure, there's things you gotta do, but I want them to experience it too. And, and this is what happened. Anytime Moses would meet with God on this mountain, it says that there was this thick cloud that descended on the top of the mountain. And I thought to myself, can you imagine what Sundays would be like today in church if when God showed up, there's this like cloud, this thick cloud in the room. It's a, and I was like, oh, we have that. It's called haze. Yeah, we've got that already too. That's the smoke. Okay, never mind. But here's, here's what's interesting about this moment. Why did God even do this? What was God trying to do to the people? There's something that I believe that God was trying to do for the people that I think is true of what he wants to do for you and me, and that's this thought. See, God wants to reveal himself to you. You do understand that, right? God, God's not playing hide and go seek. I think sometimes it feels like that. Sometimes I feel like it's hard to find God. You ever feel like that? Sometimes it's hard to know where God is and what, how to experience God, how to encounter God. Can I just tell you that God, God's not, he's not actually playing hide and go seek. It kind of, I feel like sometimes my, my journey of trying to find God it was a little bit like when I was a kid playing Marco Polo in the pool. Do you all remember doing that? You close your eyes, right, and you say, Marco, okay, Marco, right? That's right. I, do you ever feel like, I feel like that sometimes with God. I'm like, God, yes, oh, what was that? God, where are you? Yes, did you say something, God? God. I, and sometimes I, I feel like it's trying to 
to find God, to experience God, it feels a little bit like that. What we actually discover in scripture is that God's not hiding. God, God doesn't want it so that, oh, the pastor go up the mountain and experience God and, and you some show up and it's like, I'll tell you what, no, God told Moses, you, you tell them, I wanna meet with them. How cool that God wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to reveal himself to me. And, and before that happened, though, God told them, you, you have to do something. I don't know if you missed this or not, but I wanna read verse 10 again of that passage. Here's, here's what God told Moses. The Lord told Moses to go down and to what, the people? Everybody say it out loud. And to, say it again, and to prepare the people for my arrival. How are they to do that? It says, consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them do their laundry. That's what he said. Have them wash their clothes. No, notice what God told them. Listen, I want to meet with them. I want to meet with you all. But before that happens, you need to prepare. Go and prepare the people, right? And here's what I think most of us do know about life, and that is the bigger the moment, the more preparation it demands, right? I mean, think about it. When you got a big football game, you got a playoff game, you got a, a, a Super Bowl, you got a, I was gonna say college football playoff, but some of us are still licking our wounds. When you've got like this really big game versus just a regular season game, listen, I know coach speak, it's like get ready for all of them, but here's what we all know. You, get, you do a little extra when you have the big game. The Super Bowl, you are really, you're watching extra film, you're really preparing for it. We know this in, in school, right? Your, your teacher's gonna give you a bunch of tests throughout the year. Here's a chapter test, here's a quiz, here's this. But y'all know that's different than the final exam. Everybody knows the final exam, you spend a lot more time preparing because the bigger the moment, the more preparation it demands. Listen, ladies, you all know this because here, here's the thing. There, I have seen this, and I know, and I've raised two daughters. There's a difference between getting ready to go on a date and getting ready to walk down the aisle. Hello? Am I right, ladies? Oh, I know this. I know this. You get ready in 30 minutes to go on a date when you get married, it's an all-day affair. It takes hours. The hair, the nail, the salon, the makeup. It takes all day. Why? Because it's a big moment. You should. The bigger the moment, the more preparation it takes. So what's happening? God says, I'm about to meet with all the people. So here's what I want them to do, Moses. Consecrate themselves. Now, that's a word we don't use a whole lot today. I understand. Some translations say sanctify yourselves. You know that word consecrate, you know what it means? It means to treat as something special. Consider this sacred. Consider, hold this in the highest regard. Purify yourself, set apart. It means this is important. This is really important. Can I show you? I believe that the gathering of the church of Jesus is really important. I believe that it's so important that we should prepare and we should prioritize gathering, which you already have. You're here, okay? I really think it's important, but I want you to note this. He didn't just say, do that on that day. He said, consecrate yourself today, tomorrow, and the next day, which maybe God cares more than just one day, but he wants us to actually set ourselves apart for him every day of the week. He says, purify yourself and then wash your clothes. 
So, okay, if I'm getting this right, before church, we should take a bath and wash our clothes. Easy enough, right? By the way, you do realize that washing your clothes in the middle of the desert as you've been wandering around is a lot harder than it is today? I mean, you can throw it in the washing machine. It's not a big deal, right? Hour, maybe. You can have your clothes done, ready to go. Out there, it was a process. Cleaning your clothes, using what little water that you have in the desert, some kind of element to clean them and then to hang them or to maybe lay them on a rock to dry, whatever you have to do. I mean, it was more of a process than I think we realize. What's interesting, if we we can look at this on the surface and think, oh, God doesn't want to meet with stinky people. Like, don't go three weeks without washing your jeans. You need to wash them. I mean, I don't know anybody that wears jeans once and then washes them. Maybe some of you do. But, you know, these have probably had two weeks in them already. I I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes they go real long and they just stand up on their own. You know what I mean? Like, just hop right in them. He says, wash Okay, okay. Here's what I have found, though. This is why we have to be careful. Whenever you're looking at the Old Testament, what you discover is that there are a lot of times where God would give them a practice. God would give them something that they would do that was actually symbolic of a much deeper truth. And this is one of those. This whole idea of like, hey, you need to consecrate, purify yourselves, and wash your clothes. Get ready, get ready, get ready, right? This whole idea was actually symbolic of something way deeper than a lot of them missed in that day. And here's why. Because so many people, and this happens to the religious all the time, is they tend to focus more on the practice and they miss the point. It becomes a tradition, it becomes a duty, it becomes a practice. This is what happened. You can see this with the religious leaders as they had developed all kinds of cleaning practices. And you didn't just clean your clothes, but you had to clean every utensil. You had to wash a special ceremonial way before you'd eat, all this stuff. It just expanded because they're like, oh, if I clean my clothes, then I guess I'm clean. And the problem is, is that so many of the religious people thought that all I have to do is Put on good, clean clothes, and I I guess I'm good. But it takes Jesus showing up, pushing back against that, going, guys, guys, no, no, no. You missed the point. You are so obsessed with the religious practice that you didn't even understand why God gave it in the first place. See, this is what religious hypocrisy is. When we're so obsessed with a practice that there's no point to it. There's no purpose behind it. See, here's why. It's why Jesus said, hey, listen, I don't care how clean your clothes are. I don't care how clean your utensils are. If your heart's not clean, it doesn't matter. You can live like you got it all together on Sunday, but if you live like hell the rest of the week, you aren't good with God. And I think sometimes we think, well, you know, I I get all cleaned up. Get cleaned up. Hmm. You know what's interesting? I was thinking about this this cultural trend that we had for years. I, I experienced it growing up, going to church. Maybe not as much if if this is your church experience, but this is maybe different for some of you. But in our current culture, there was always this practice. And I I thought, I wonder if it goes back to this passage, to put on your Sunday best. How many of you remember about putting on your Sunday best before you went to church? Raise your hand if you did. Yeah. Maybe you still do. That's cool. But there was this idea that to go to church, you put on your best outfit. You dressed up in the nicest clothes you have. You, you have a suit, you're wearing a suit. 
You got a dress. You're wearing a dress. You would dress the part. You would not show up to church. Why? Because I get it. We're honoring God. This is the most important moment. And so for many of us, there was this idea that I would dress on the outside. The, the, the problem is, and what Jesus tries to help us understand, is that God doesn't really care what you wear. He cares more about the heart. Jesus said, it's not what, what you do with all this stuff that you think you got to wash that makes you unclean. It's actually what comes out of the heart that's and through your mouth that determines whether or not you're unclean. And so what we have done is we've confuse it. We've, we've, we've bought into this religious practice where I look good when I come to church, but I miss the point. I miss the point, right? And, and, and so, you know, we, we have this thought that we just dress in our, in our Sunday best, but, but we're not really truly authentic. We're not clean. Now, now, here's the thing I want you to understand, okay, just scripturally in the story. What is this really symbolic of? It's symbolic of what Jesus did for us. Can I tell you some really good news? It doesn't matter if you have freshly washed and laundered clothes when you show up at church on Sunday. And it doesn't matter if you even took a shower that morning, although we, we suggest that you do. It's nice for the people around you. But th that stuff doesn't matter to God. What really matters is the authenticity of your heart. What really matters is that you have received the work of Jesus and what he did on the cross for you. Because here's what I know, and this is, I want to tell you this really old, like, churchy term. You ever heard this? That um, It's the blood of Jesus that washes us and makes us white as snow. See, it's, it's not the washing machine, but it, what, here's what that means. It's what Jesus did on the cross that actually makes us right before God. And so, so it, we miss the point. They missed the point. You say, what was the point then? What was the point of having them consecrate yourself these days, wash your clothes, get ready? What was the point? I believe this was the point. God was saying, take this moment seriously. This is a big deal. This is important. So much so that I think God was trying to reveal himself and all his power, and that he's the one creator. You gotta remember, these people had just come out of Egypt where they were exposed to all these different gods. This God does this, this God, and God's like, no, they don't. Remember those 10 plagues? No, that was me showing you, no, they don't. I'd do that. And so here's what God even said. He said, listen, you don't just come anytime. This was, again, an Old Testament symbol. But you put boundaries around the mountain. I want you to mark off places around the mountain. And you do not approach until the ram's horn. You do not cross these boundaries. And, and I, I think maybe because of all this, some of us have, have got this idea that I can't come close to God. I gotta say, they, they trembled in fear. And here's what I think God was doing. He wasn't trying to create fear out of them. He was trying to help them see with awe and respect how big a moment this was. It was a big deal. It's a big deal. And I, and I wonder today, I just want to say this, I am so glad that we can dress casual. Can I just say that? I'm so glad that, 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 that I mean, maybe growing up, it's like I had to dress up into this. I, I'm good with that. And if you, if you want to dress up, dress up. But let me just tell you, I'm going to be wearing jeans and tennis shoes and a hoodie, okay? It, it, I, I love the fact that maybe today in church that many of us, are, you know, again, and if you do it, that's fine, but, but we don't see that as like a roadblock from experiencing God. I'm so thankful for that, but can I also warn us and say this? We should never confuse this idea that I can dress and come to church in comfortable and casual clothing. We should never confuse that with approaching this moment with a casual spirit. We should never confuse the two. Hey, 
I'm all for it. Let's dress casual all we want. You can want to wear sweatpants, wear sweatpants. That's fine. I don't care. But do not confuse that to think that this is a casual moment because this is not a casual moment. This is a really big deal. This is us coming to the mountain to meet with the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who put the stars and the planets and the galaxies in the sky, the one who set the boundaries for the oceans so they don't overwhelm us, the one who created mountains to the height of 29,000 feet. This is us meeting with a powerful, miracle-working God. This is a really big deal. It's a big deal. It really is. You say, well, how come it just feels like church? Why, why does it, I don't know. I hear you, but it just feels like church. I, I would argue if it ever just feels like church, it feels like going to English class. It's because you have this attitude that says, I've been there before, I know what to expect. Some of you have been to church 40 years, 50 years, five years. You, you've gone to church, you know what to expect. We're going to go in there and have some music playing. Everybody's going to be so bubbly. It's kind of annoying. They'll come in, and then they're going to play some music with big old lights, and it's going to be loud, and I'm just going to stare and watch them, and they look like they're having a good time, but I don't do that. And I'm just going to listen to the music. It's going to be good, and then someone's going to get up and do a few announcements and play maybe a little video, and then there's going to be a message, and hopefully it doesn't go too long, and then maybe someone at the end is going to sing, or we're going to pray, and then release, and we're just go about our time, and I did my time, and did my service. If that is your attitude and your approach to church, guess what? It's going to feel like English class. My, my question to you as we talk about how to really go to church, and my question I pose to you, this thought, what if there's more? Maybe there's more to a moment with God than you realize. Because if, if you think I've seen it all before, let me tell you, you surely will not experience what you hope to experience. It's kind of like when, when later when it gets dark real early. Go outside. I know it's a little cold, but go outside. And if you live maybe away from the city, it'll, it'll be even better. Go outside and look up in the sky at night. What do you see when you look up at the sky at night? Black. Like 98% black. Maybe 99. A few, I see some stars. I don't know what They're just little twinkly lights. You know what I mean? You get out there and go, oh, look, it's the Big Dipper. It's always in the same place every time. Oh, look, the Little Dipper. Oh, there's Orion. Oh, there's, a, you know what I mean? There's these stars, and they're there. And, and I think sometimes we go outside at night, and we're never impressed. You know what I mean? It's just the night sky. It's the same every single night. I know what's out there. It's all black, and there's a few twinkling lights. But what if there's more? What if there's more? What if you, you can't see it? And you don't think you see it, but what if there's more? You know they say in the northern hemisphere that you can see, we can see on any given day, depending on the season, but we can see up to five of the planets. And there are nine planets. I don't know who decided to change that, but they should be shot. <laughs> Thank you, there are nine. We're not doing this eight stuff. We're not doing this new math stuff. Okay, two plus two is four. Um, but you know you can see about five of them. And... Uh, I can never find them. I would always need somebody to point it out. You know, you see that really bright one over there in that part of the, that's Jupiter or whatever, you know? And never really tell because it just looks like a little twinkly light, right? But you know what's interesting? Um, this past year in July, I think it was, 
um, the scientific community got to see some of the very first pictures, renderings of the James Webb Space Telescope. How many have heard of the JWST? Raise your hand if you've heard of that, right? Um, it's a new telescope that we launched, I think, December 21st of the previous year, or Christmas. It might have been Christmas Day, actually, um, that they launched. And then once it got into its space, outer space, it's a new technology with infrared and the way it does it enables us to see things. And we got to see over this past six, seven months some of the images relayed back from the James Webb Space Telescope. In fact, I brought a picture of Jupiter I wanted to show you. It's a really cool picture that they, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? Did you know that's Jupiter? Like, just seeing the layers and the aura around it, the gases and the lights that are around it. And as, you know what's interesting is when you go out at night and you look up and you know where to look in the sky, you're going to look up and it's going to be this little twinkly light. I've seen it before. No, the problem is you just aren't close enough to actually see what it really looks like. There were some really cool um, pictures. There's one called the Pillars of Creation. I want you to stick that up. By the way, that's in the all black with a few twinkling light sky that you see at night. This is called the Pillars of Creation. Kind of creepy. Like if you see the whole thing, it looks like a hand. <laughs> the claw of God, you know. That's but the reason why they call this the Pillars of Creation is because the gas and the particles that are found, you see, that is what actually leads to stars being formed, is you need material to create the stars. And so it, this is, and, and the, the images that we've gotten are just incredible. Now, I, I wanted to stick up a picture of a nebula with the Hubble telescope. Go ahead and put that one up. Okay, this right here is a picture of what's called the Tarantula Nebula. Okay, it, it is just outside the Milky Way. We've seen this rod. This picture was taken by Hubble, the older telescope technology. And the reason, I mean, they call it nebula. If you look at some of the wiry things, and almost some of them you look up close, look like little spindly legs of a spider. Kind of weird. But it's, but it's this nebula. And you know what they, again, when it comes to the gases and the particles, when you find these kind of areas in our universe, what they discover is this is where stars are formed. And so what's fascinating is in this space, they believe there are just thousands and thousands of stars, new stars that are being formed right here in this nebula. Now, that's, that's, that picture was taken, right? That picture was taken with Hubble. When the James Webb took a picture of it, it looked a little bit different. Show that one. Do you see? You, I, I want to show you something. You know what they couldn't see behind all the gases and the particles? They couldn't see that there were tens of thousands more stars that existed. They had no idea were even there. All because we had a different way of seeing it. And my point is this. Could it be possible that there's more to God than what we expect? Could it be possible that there is more to God than we can imagine? Because if all you do is go out in the night sky and go, ah, I've seen it before, what you don't realize is that deep within this space that God created is the most incredible beauty, the most incredible. These stars, tens of thousands of stars and planets and galaxies that we've never even seen up close, that all point us to who God really is. And what I'm saying is, what if there's more to God than what you've already experienced? 
What if there's more to God than what you experience when you come to church on Sunday? It could it be, just could it be that it is your approach, your attitude, your expectation. I'm just going to church. No, I'm not. I'm coming to meet with the creator of the universe. I'm coming to have an encounter with that God. You see, things change when your expectation changes. Big moments require big expectation. God said, prepare. This is a moment. And I want, I want you to hear this thought that I want to just give you. Maybe you'll write this line down. Because I think a lot of us would come, and I, I said you could spend hundreds of hours this year investing in your spiritual life, your marriage, your emotional life through what we do as a community. And you get nothing out of it. Or you can come with an expectation that I'm going to have an encounter with God every time. That I need a fresh word from God today. That I need to feel his presence in a new way. I need to know that he's forgiven me. I need to know his love. I need some hope. I, I need some help right now in my life. That you, can, you can come with that expectation. Here's what I want you to hear. It's our expectation that leads to revelation, which ultimately leads to transformation. And I know it's three words and big, they all sound the same. And, but I, I want you to see what I'm saying. It's your expectation of what you're going to experience with God that determines how you see him. If you show up going, it's just church. You're not gonna get much out of it. Like, oh, the music was all right. Message, I don't know, I mean, it's good. Probably better for him than for me. And you're not gonna hear from God the way he wants to speak to you. He wants to reveal himself. And here's what I've discovered. When you come with an attitude and a spirit of expectation, God, I'm gonna meet, I'm gonna meet with you and I need something from you and I'm desperate right now and I need you to answer this prayer and I need you to, when you come with that, that's when God begins to reveal himself to you. And also I found that when God reveals himself to me, it also ends up revealing more of me to me. And you know what I figure out when, when, I, when that happens? You know what I often figure out? Here's the crazy thing. I figure out there's a gap. There's a gap between who I am and who God is. And when I see that gap and I'm challenged, that's what leads to change, to transformation in your life. And so this year, it could be different. But not if you just come to church out of duty or routine. Not if you just, I don't know, church. Dress casual. Don't come with a casual spirit. You're meeting with God. This is a mountain moment every single time. And I think that's why sometimes when we fast, we feel God's presence more. If you're joining us for that 21 days of prayer and fasting, I think the reason why sometimes we feel like God answers our prayers is because when we take time in our life to prioritize, to prepare, to sanctify, to set apart, to say, I'm not gonna eat this, I'm gonna be hungry, I'm gonna take my cravings to God. When you do that, there's an expectation inside of you that I'm gonna receive something from him. And when he does and begins to speak to you, he'll reveal himself and you, and that will lead to change in your life. So God said, get ready. Get ready. Maybe you didn't before this Sunday. Next Sunday, get ready. Get ready. And he said, consecrate yourself today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I'm going to make. You know, I don't think that was an accident. I don't think that was a coincidence. On the third day, I'm going to meet with you. What was he again doing? He was painting a picture back in the Old Testament of what was going to happen in the New Testament because it was on the third day that Jesus rose from the grave. It was on the third day that we discover that he is the God over death, over hell, over sin. It was. There's a big deal about meeting God on this third day type of attitude. That God, you're alive. 
I'm going to meet with you today. And I think sometimes we go, but what about all the boundaries? And some of us, we've never really experienced a closeness with God because we've always stayed at a distance in fear. Here's what I need you to know, is that when Jesus went to the cross and he uttered these three words, he said, it is finished. The moment that happened, everything changed. They didn't need boundary markers. You didn't need things to separate us from him because, you know, in their old model, they had a temple. And this is where the high priest would meet with God one time a year. And Jesus, when he went to the cross, he said, I'm doing away with that. That was a placeholder. And how do we know that? Because of what happened in that moment. Matthew tells us in Matthew 27, verse 51, he said this, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rock split. In other words, you are welcome and invited into the presence of God. And so I don't go to church. I'm gonna have an encounter with God. I'm gonna experience him in a new way, in a fresh way. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. That's what I want. I don't want to just show up and put in time. I want to experience God. I want to hear his voice in a new way. I want to see his face in some new way. I want to know that God is real. Anybody else want that today? Anybody else want that this year? Come on, stand up if you want. We're going to have a moment of prayer. This is not the moment where the pastor just prays a nice little pretty prayer, and then we go on about our day. This is us having a mountain moment with God. Some of you came here today, you need something. You need to know that God's real. You've had a prayer. You need to know that God cares. Some of you came here today, you're just like, I, I, I don't know what I know, but I know I need something. Can I just tell you, this can be that mountain moment for you. I want us all just to bow our heads. Let's just close our eyes. Well, the reason why we do that, there's nothing special about it, is to remove the distractions of those around us so that we can just Focus on him. So Father, today I, I wanna say thank you so much for revealing yourself to us. I thank you ultimately you revealed yourself through Jesus. God, I pray that even in a moment right now, that God, this would not feel like routine, this would not feel like some mundane practice, but I pray, God, that in this moment, that we still have right now gathered together, that God, we can experience you. That we can encounter the creator of the heavens and the earth. The creator that is still making stars in the heavens that none of us can see. That, that creator God, the God who is a miracle worker, a promise keeper, the God that can heal, the God that can save, the God that can rescue. God, we're here to meet with you. God, I don't want just religion. I don't want just a tradition. God, when I show up, I want to show up expecting to meet with you and to receive from you and to give my worship to you in this place. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We wanna connect with you and we wanna be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? 
And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.